With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hey, you're listening to Green and Growing right here on 95.5 WSB. And can you believe it's one week from Christmas, folks? So thanks for being here. I know your weekends are full. And someone else who I managed to wrangle away from his ever-busy job, Dr. David Coyle has been on the show before, assistant professor of forest health and invasive species uh, just up the road at Clemson University. You've got a Ph.D. in entomology. Of course, a lot of background in forestry. Biology is where you got your start as a little old young college fella. Hey, Dr. Coyle, what's up? <laughs> hey, Ashley, good morning. I appreciate being called young. That doesn't happen very often, so thank you for that. <laughs> well, I won't say the year in which you got your bachelor's in biology, <laughs> but we'll just we'll just keep it. At, you know, the work you do now at Clemson is super fantastic. You have taught the listeners here on the show so much, and I have been just chomping at the bits for the last few weeks to congratulate you on the article about Bradford Pears in which you were featured in the New York Times. Yes, thank you. Thank you. That was a long time coming. And I've been working with that reporter since spring of 2020. He came to wow. a, one of our Bradford Pear Bounty programs. Then, of course, COVID hit and things got sort of delayed, but we kept in touch. Uh, a few more phone, email, or phone and email interviews, and then he visited one more time just earlier this fall. And then the article came out. So it was a good good treat and a nice surprise. So great. So the article in the New York Times written back around the week of Thanksgiving in, in the New York Times by Rick Rojas. And he says the Bradford pear was a very popular and seemingly perfect tree that came to symbolize the suburbanation of the South before becoming an unwieldy menace. And so he wrote about how this villain emerged and the work by scientists in South Carolina to fight it. And you've really been at the forefront of that, Dr. Coyle. And I know you've got a great team behind you, but for people who haven't heard you on the show before, what is the problem with a Bradford pear? The Bradford pear, you know, to the, I guess, the people that are just out there doing their thing, it just looks like this nice, pretty tree in the landscape. It's got this nice lollipop shape, beautiful white flowers in the spring. Yeah, fall, it turns this nice, bright crimson red color. So it is a very pretty tree. The problem is it tends to break apart if you look at it funny or if the wind blows or if it rains heavy you know once it gets to be 15 20 25 years old their structure is just really poor for a tree and if you've ever looked at one of these things without the leaves on you notice all the branches almost just go straight up and so the the steeper that branch angle the more unstable they are so lots of breakage once they get into the wild, now these trees were marketed as sterile, meaning if you just have Bradford pears, they can't pollinate themselves or another Bradford pear. But any other pyrus, any other pear type of tree can pollinate it, and then you get seeds that are viable, and then birds eat them and animals eat them. They spread them out into the wildlands, and that's why in the springtime, if you're driving around the Carolinas or Georgia, you see these white flowering trees mm -hmm. all over the sides of the road. Those are the wild cousins of Bradford pear called calorie pear. 
and those have these big thorns. They they pr- produce these great big thickets that sort of crowds everything else out, and they're just, uh, you know, as Rick said, they're a menace. I've had uh, listeners who say that the thorns on those are so tough that they've popped tractor tires. We have a lot of people tell us that. Yeah. The car tires, trailer tires, tractor tires. It's unbelievable how tough they are. I've had them poke me through leather gloves. Um, it's just, yeah, they're really nasty things. So tell me one more time which which way this goes. So if I have a regular pear tree or two or three in my yard and then a Bradford pear over in the neighbor's yard, which way does it pollinate or not pollinate? The pollen from the non-Bradford pears, whether that's a regular pear tree or a different cultivar of a flowering pear, will go to, you know, bees and, and pollinators will take it to the Bradford pear, and then that will allow that Bradford pear fruits to be viable and able to produce a new tree. Okay. Wow. And, you know, a lot of people in suburbia, I do notice, are finally starting to cut these down uh, for a multiple number of reasons, really. They split easy. They drop their branches. They have suckers. Um, I mean, yeah, they look good for maybe, what, two or three weeks in the spring. Otherwise, they're a menace. Um, They have a terrible smell to them, which genetically, I've never smelled it. I can't smell it, but I trust everyone else's word for that. Yeah, it's it's pungent, and it's got a lot of really colorful descriptors out there. If you you get online, people have all sorts of things they describe it as, but it's very pungent. And uh, I'm good for you if you can't smell it. That must be <laughs> something like the asparagus deal, right? Where exactly. Big happening. I can smell it, and it's just gross. Ah, uh, <laughs> so we don't like these. And in in fact, you all have done so much work. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the state of South Carolina is the first one of all 50 states to really get legislation involved behind this? We're the second. Ohio beat us. They beat us by a year, and then we are the second one that has outlawed the sale and purchase of these starting on October 124. And Delaware, I believe, just passed similar legislation, and I know there are several other states where this is in process. So nothing, nothing set yet, but there's a bunch of other states that have this sort of in the, you know, moving through the, the wheels of government there. So congratulations to you guys and to Ohio for really maybe, you know, trailblazing this and setting a trend. And then for folks who haven't heard you on the show before, I'm, I'm speaking with Dr. David Coyle at Clemson University. We're going to get into invasive species here in just a moment, but still talking about the Bradford Pears, uh, the bounty program that you guys have kind of encouraging folks, hey, plant something else. The popularity has been more than I ever thought it would be, but we encourage people to cut down their Bradford pear, come to one of our programs, and then show us a picture of that tree that has been killed, and we will give them a free native replacement tree. That's fantastic. And so how long will that run? I mean, are you all doing that for the foreseeable future for now? Yeah, it's the popularity, like I said, has been off the charts. We've got three spots, uh, three locations set for spring of 23, We've got one or two maybe set for fall of 20, uh, sorry, 22. Uh, we've already got spring of 23 filled up, so we're, we're about two years out booking these things already. That is fantastic. Now, to play devil's advocate, you know, I mean, there's always two sides to every story. So I do want to ask, uh, by banning the sale of these by 2024, will that hurt anybody in the industry or is that going to affect anybody in a negative way? And if so, how are we kind of working with them? Yeah, good question. We reached out to lots of industry folks during this whole process. This process took us almost two years to get enacted, and we reached out to all sorts of different industry types in South Carolina, 
horticulturalists, the fruit tree growers, because you know, Pyrus Kellerian is used as a rootstock quite a bit. Uh, we don't believe it's going to have a major impact. You know, the folks that are growing bees, one of the concessions we as scientists had to make was give it a couple, three years to exhaust their stock, and then they just won't plant anymore. That's why this won't take effect till 24. Not too many people in South Carolina are using this as a rootstock. There were a couple, but, you know, there are replacement uh, rootstocks that can be used. Oh, so yeah. it's just encouraging them to switch over. So our goal is not to make anybody broke, right? Our goal is not to wreck businesses. Our goal is to try to do something right for the environment. And we took everyone's thoughts into consideration when we did this. And that's how we came up with our plan. Fantastic. And very forward thinking in this. Um, And the last time I had you on the show, we did spend a little bit of time talking about invasive species. And it was the year of being on the lookout for the Asian longhorned beetle. I believe y'all had a campaign behind that. And the spotted lanternfly, which the last I read was from, you know, Penn State Extension. And I'm not quite sure that it's made its way to South Carolina and Georgia. But what can you tell us about those two guys? Should we be worried? Uh, we feel so. Let me say, I feel like we've got Asian longhorn beetle at least contained. I don't think it's going to go anywhere, uh, you know, barring some sort of crisis activity. But you know, it's down there in South Carolina. We're working really hard to eradicate it. We're we're doing the standard cut the tree and chip it removal thing. But we're also trying to investigate some different tactics. You know, there's a lot of swampy areas in South Carolina with uh, with Asian longhorn beetle that we just can't get those tree those chippers in. So we're looking at some methods where maybe we just cut the tree down and we'll see how fast it. Some In some cases, it's going to rot fast enough to kill the beetles inside there. So mm. lots of work with ALB, nothing nothing new to report at this point. Uh, lanternfly, you know, yeah, we don't have that yet. My professional opinion is it will get here at some point. It's been expanding its range pretty heavily the last couple of years. They've found it in North Carolina several times, not an established population, but they found individuals. You know, they travel pretty well on things. Uh, I think the best thing South Carolina and Georgia can do right now is just be prepared. You know, we've had lots of meetings with the regulatory and the research folks, and we're just trying to have everybody get all your ducks in a row and be ready because when it gets here, and I do think it's a when, not an if, um, you know, we've got to be ready to, to do what we can about it. Yeah, now the Asian longhorned beetle, really long antennas, kind of a little black and white guy that'll bore a hole into the side of a tree, and oftentimes, you know, sap will ooze out of that. The spotted lanternfly, that's worth a Google, too, because it, it's kind of pretty. I mean, it's like a big moth, but the way that came about, Dr. Coyle, was so funny. I shared with the listeners months ago, back in, like, September, I think it was a, a state fair entry by a student in Kansas. He had just spotted this bug, made it part of his project, and people started going, oh, gosh. Oh, gosh, that's the spotted lanternfly. That's here in Kansas. Yeah, that's, you know, if there's any good news about spotted lanternfly, it is ridiculously obvious. Yeah. You know, there's nothing else that looks like it. And they've even looked at some, uh, you know, public reports, and the public is ninety like 95% correct when they say, hey, I have a spotted lanternfly. They're almost always right because it's just so unique in how it looks. And, you know, that is the one good thing we have is that when someone thinks they see a lanternfly, they report it. It usually is. So we don't have a lot of false positives to chase around. So there's that. At least there's that, I guess. Yeah, right. If there's anything good that comes of it, it is it is a definite identification on those guys. Well, listen, Dr. Coyle, I just want to wrap up the year. Glad to have you on. And thank you for what you've done for my show this year. You've been a tremendous help. And I, I'm looking forward to working with you in 2020. Hopefully no new invasive species, but we can keep folks up to date on what they do need to look out for. 
Yeah, thanks, Ashley. I appreciate it. Always fun to come on, so thanks for having me again. All right. Have a Merry Christmas. And, hey, before you run off, how can folks follow you on social media? You can find me uh, at Dr. Dave Coyle, D-R-D-A-V-E-C-O-Y-L-E, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you need uh, advice on anything, I'm very easily Googleable. Googleable. <laughs> Coyle at Clemson.edu. Happy to help. And not just helpful and not just smart, but the guy's pretty funny on Twitter, too, I must say. You and I have some good back and forth on Twitter. That's right. That's right. So, well, enjoy your weekend. Thanks again. Thanks, Ashley. Take care. All right. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. In just a few minutes, we'll be back with the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. Happy New Year. Glad you are here. You're listening to Green and Growing, of course, and the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. A lot of things to get to on the show today. Of course, if you have some time this weekend, you want to know what to be doing. Green and Growing! Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. So pleasant, so polite. And, you know, these are easy things, too. I know it's still the holidays. So, number one, it's not too late to plant pansies. I've had a lot of folks ask me about that. And if you planted them months ago, be sure to fertilize them maybe once or twice. A slow-release fertilizer like Osmico will work just fine. If you planted them back in October or November, my goodness, they are looking full. They are looking beautiful. And continue to deadhead them. Hopefully the deer and the rabbits Don't beat you to that. Number two, once you get to taking Christmas decorations down, fill in those bare spots with some houseplants. Make sure to put them in pots or baskets with drainage holes, though. That's so important. Don't let those get clogged up by any saucer or foil or anything like that. And make sure they're getting sufficient lighting, too. So when you go to a nursery like Pike Nursery, they're categorized, they're grouped by how much light they need, low, medium, and high light. So I, right now, I'm looking for one that would do well in my office in a low-light area, all fluorescent lights, not near a window at all. Um, Deborah Green, a DJ on 97.1 The River, and she's also one of the producers for the Mark Aram Show, got me the coolest ceramic planter, and it's black, and it's a rectangle, so it's shaped like a boombox, like a cereal. And I can't wait to display that on my desk, but i got to find the right tiny, small house plant that doesn't require a lot of light. But um, you know what you can do, too? Take a cutting of a friend's house plant. See if you can propagate it either in a small vase of water. Sometimes the, the end of the cut will grow roots that way. Or just in a small pot. Start off with Pike's potting and container soil, and you'll be on your way. And number three. Don't forget about the birds. Put out feeders with thistle seed. That'll attract those goldfinches. Seed with a high sunflower seed content like Pike's Special Mix Bird Seed. That's got the protein that they need for the uh, supposed colder you know, weather that's coming up. And bluebirds, they love dried mealworms. Over Christmas, I had my parents over and we spent a lot of time in the kitchen and in the breakfast area where we look out and see the bird feeder. And boy, it was busy last weekend. I mean, we saw all kinds of birds. I saw the goldfinches. I saw house finches. Um, And house finches are uh, really just kind of plain brown. But the male has such a pretty purple reddish color on his head. The females are all brown. They have a little bit of a, a notched tail as well. Um, house wrens, those are like a deeper brown and they chirp a lot. Chickadees, oh my gosh, we had everything. We had woodpeckers and bluebirds too. It always seems like the bluebirds, they travel in pairs. So you'll see the more colorful, bright, bright blue males 
and then accompanied by the female that's a, a lot duller blue, almost a grayish color. But I have to fill up a little dish with dried mealworms almost every day. And that makes those bluebirds so happy. And speaking of, if you're looking for something to do, the weather's still pretty decent. Um, It's not nesting season by any means for bluebirds. But go look at the trails at Green Meadows Preserve in Marietta off Dallas Highway. Uh, Jim Bearden is a friend of the show. He was on the show maybe over a year ago and has constructed 30-something nests, bluebird boxes, along the trails there at Green Meadows Preserve. And that is really something to see in those open areas as you just see those gorgeous bluebirds fly back and forth. Coming up, tips for winterizing your landscape and getting on the list. It's going to be a waiting list come spring for a landscape design from Pike Nursery when we return. Good morning. Happy New Year. You're listening to Greeny Growing on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Welcome back to the show. Wow, I don't know if all of you, uh, your brains are exploding with uh, the the litany of topics that Joe Lample and I just covered in that last hour. Holy cow, I felt a little... uh, ADD because I just wanted to ask him about so many things, but I think he handled all of my uh, questions so well. Up next, I'm excited to have my guest, Brian Albini, back with us, calling this morning, of course, from Pike Nursery. Good morning. Welcome back, Brian. Good morning, Ashley. So good to be here today. I am glad you are, sir. And with the exception of today, because with it being New Year's Day, all Pike Nursery locations are closed Regardless of the weather, regardless of what Mother Nature has in store for us, there is always an occasion to be gardening. Am I right, Brian? Oh, yeah. There's always always something you can be doing out there, playing in the dirt. Absolutely. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about winterizing the garden. Um, we have had mm-hmm. some really unseasonably warm weather, which has been fantastic for folks who still want to stay out in the garden and they're enjoying their time kind of tidying things up. But once we start thinking about getting into those really cold nights where temperatures dip down to freezing, I want folks to have a pen and paper because some of the things Brian's going to tell you are going to be really good things to want to wish you had done. Uh, you know, so now we're, we're giving them too early, but give us some tips, just general ideas of what we think about when we're winterizing our garden. Oh, of course. Yeah. I always love getting out there and, and um, tidying up. I call it putting the garden to bed for yeah. winter. You know, some of those things are the basics, like turning off your sprinklers. Um, another good one is to put your hose away, put your sprayers away, make sure that, you know, there's no little water in there that can get uh, frozen and, and break those things. And then you're not going to be able to use them in the spring. But um, some of the other basics are, you know, cover up your grill, um, drain the, the fuel from your mower's tank before you store that for winter. You know, another great thing that kind of uh, ties into what Joe is talking about is, composting your fallen leaves um you know even raking those into a corner so you give your pollinators a good place to overwinter and to to hang out 
You know, and so many of you probably have, you know, cobwebs on the rake in the back of the garage or the back of the shed. You're like, oh, I use my leaf blower all the time. I don't even use a rake anymore. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. I would still have that rake handy. Grab you one at Pike Nursery if it's broken, if the prongs are broken, or it's just broken right off of the handle. Because you're right, Brian, that's going to be a better way to really start to tidy things up, get the leaves. And you can be a little more selective when you're raking, of course, right? We don't want to be raking in diseased leaves or uh, things Mm -hmm. left over in the yard from the dog, if you know what I mean. Kind of rake, get that nice, healthy pile of leaves and start composting it. So simple. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now's the time to start. Do you personally Mm -hmm. shred your leaves? And if so, how do you do it? So one thing that I do is I will kind of put my leaves into a little bit of a pile Mm -hmm. and then I'll I'll hit them with the lawnmower and then I'll rake them up and I'll put them in my compost bin. Um, I've also heard of a method where you can put your leaves into an old garbage can and use a weed eater and uh, go at them with the weed eater to break them down a little bit. And then you can either spread them around, um, you know, uh, under the mulch in your beds, or you can, you know, compost them. That's perfect. That is a great idea. Yeah, you don't have to invest money in this crazy power tool piece of equipment to do it. There's simple ways to get that done. Okay, now thinking about plant-related things that we need to be doing mm-hmm. or can be doing, you know, I mean, winter still allows us to garden. I'm thinking some of these things, Brian, really all I may need is a small trowel, uh, maybe oh, yeah. maybe a big shovel, and a good set of pruners still 12 months out of the year, a good set of pruners. How can I use those three things right now? You know, now's still a great time to plant bulbs. Um, and that's part of the fun part of, of winter is you, you plant these things and you don't see anything for the next few months. And then all of a sudden it's uh, it's go time and you start to see these little green, um, you know, uh, leaves start to pop up out of the ground. So planting bulbs is great. Winter is a great time to plant trees and shrubs, so um, no reason not to get trees in the ground or shrubs in the ground, Um, you know, breaking up the dirt and giving them some time to get acclimated before the spring growing season and kind of gives them a head start to to be able to survive our summer a little bit better. Um, And you can always, you know, winter is a great time to prune trees back. The sap isn't flowing as much, and, you know, that's, you know, typically the best time to, to do any major pruning on your trees. Yeah, definitely. When you see the winter silhouette and the leaves have, you know, come off the tree, you can really get a good look for what branches are crossing one another, maybe Mm -hmm. limbs or branches in the middle that have died out uh, that aren't doing anybody any good. But it's hard to see those. It's hard to get to those when when it's, you know, fully leafed out. So you're absolutely right. Um, Properly storing our pruners, getting the right size pruners, things like that. And Brian, Mm -hmm. this is funny as far as things you could be planting right now. I was with somebody Mm -hmm. the other day and they're like, Wow, look at those pansies. They're so tiny. Those are the littlest pansies I've ever seen. And I'm like, violas, right? But I mean, Uh now somebody asked me, is it too late to plant those? I don't think so. What do you think? I don't think so either. I think have at it. You know, honestly, I haven't planted mine yet. Um, You know, we go through our busy fall season and and winters when I catch up. So I need to get mine in the ground too. So I don't think it's too late. Um, And you know, there's, there's a few other things like perennials, you know, um, helleborus. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and get your Lenten roses in the ground. Um, even some of the, uh, the interesting foliage uh, perennials like uh, coral bells, things like that. Yeah. Oh, gosh, those are all fantastic ideas. And, too, I just thought of this, too. You know, we're talking about uh, getting everything, you know, putting everything to bed. And here I am putting up Christmas decorations, and it's like, what, December 11th? Yeah, and I'm still doing Mm -hmm. that. But I still have Mm -hmm. that pumpkin on the front stoop as well. So I'm Mm -hmm. thinking, okay, time to move out with the fall stuff. Um, I 
I mean, I'm going to ask your preference, but um, I've got woods behind the house and I'm going to mm-hmm. chuck that pumpkin over into the woods because deer and rabbit are back there like crazy. So might that be a good snack for them if we've kind of, you know, expended the gourds that we had outside? Yes, absolutely. Deer love to eat the pumpkin. And, um, and you know, that's another, I don't know if it's, you know, a, a tip or not, but I did it this way mainly because it was a good activity for me and my kids to do, but we smashed our pumpkin and put it in the compost pile. That's um, cool too. I I don't know how well it'll break up, but you know, we the kids had fun smashing it. Oh, that and was so, so messy, wasn't it? It was, but I got uh, you know a good thirty minutes of uh, active time out of it. I love it. That's a great <laughs> idea, Brian. So speaking with Brian Albini from Pike Nursery, um, in one of my favorite sections of the store, of course, the bird section, and in my town lake store, it's off over to the left. Uh, feed the birds, mm-hmm. fill the feeders, suet cakes, mm-hmm. all of that kinds of thing. They need the energy to get through the winter um, and still, you know, we can use a bird bath. Just make sure you don't do what I did one year and it's a glass bird bath and then it froze and it cracked mm. and yeah, sad story, but y'all have a huge selection of bird baths. Now I want to talk about landscape design because you mentioned yeah. earlier, you know, it's a good time to plant a tree. Of course it is. Uh, but either I don't have the time or I just don't have the skill or maybe I have a lot of trees that I want to get planted. I think I can call you guys and you can help with that. Absolutely. Yeah, my favorite winter task is is getting a landscape design done. I mean, now's the time where you start to dream about the uh, what's going to happen in the spring. So mm-hmm. now is really you know the best time to beat the spring rush. And I was I think I was telling you earlier if you know if you're calling in February to get a landscape design, we're already a month into the spring rush. We're already booking out into April. Wow. So now is really a great time to go ahead and call in. You know, it's a four ninety nine design fee and you know, we come out to your yard and we, you know, we meet with you and spend time with you and really get to know what you're looking to uh, to accomplish. And we put together a design, a roadmap that's drawn to scale that you can use for, you know, this year or the next few years if you want to phase things in. So four ninety nine for a design, and it's literally like a blueprint of what can go where. Mm-hmm. Y'all have taken into account. You know, in a conversation with me walking through my garden, you've taken into account how much sunshine I get in that particular area, the drainage. Like y'all's minds see all of that when maybe mine doesn't, right? Yes, we do. We see, yeah, we take into consideration all those factors. And um, I tell my clients all the time, I'm not afraid to to be a dream squasher if uh-huh. I have to. Uh, I, I, I sometimes have to give a lot of advice that is counter to what they want to do, but will yield uh, a much better result and, and save money because you're not wasting money on plants that aren't, in, aren't going to survive in that atmosphere. Right. No, I mean, uh, yeah, you got to be realistic and you're not wasting the customer's money. You would feel terrible doing that. I think that, you know, by doing a, a 499 design, you save so much more money than by, um, you know, just going to the nursery and buying something you like the look of that week and it not surviving. Um, so it's really, a, it's a, it's a good investment and it pays off in the end. And, you know, we can even, you know, we have uh, landscape install partners that can do the work for you. So you can get the design done. Uh, and if you do an install with us and if the uh, plants and mulch and soils come to over $3,000, that design fee, that four ninety nine, is rebated. So at that point, it's a free design. Oh, nice. Wow, that's fantastic. 3000 that's easy to get to. You can get to that quite quickly, like you said, with the soil, the trees, and the lifetime guarantee, too. I mean, I'm paying a lot of money sometimes for trees or shrubs, but y'all put them in, I put them in, it doesn't matter. 
they die, mm-hmm. I can I can get a replacement at Pike Nursery. Absolutely. Yeah, our lifetime guarantees on our trees and shrubs. And, you know, that says two things. It says, A, we're, we're willing to stand behind our work. But B, you know, that's the type of quality plant that br- we bring into the nursery and our, our growers and our buyers. And, you know, that's the, the just the quality that we work with, that we, we believe in it that much. Yeah. And I, I'm very organized and I know some gardeners are. I keep uh, receipts in my mm-hmm. garden bench drawer in a Ziploc bag. So I always and I'll keep the plant tags, too, you know, so I remember what blueberry variety I have or whatever. So keep that and, you know, know mm-hmm. what you've got in the garden. But a design is a great gift idea. Any new homeowner on your list, maybe this is their first Christmas in a new home or gifting it to your spouse. Brian, I love that you said get on the books now because spring is going to be here before we know it. And we want to get on y'all's schedule. Absolutely. Yeah. If you uh, if you book now, you'll be able to beat the spring rush. Um, If you're waiting until late January, early February, you know, our designs are already booked out and our installs are already booked out into March and April at that point. Wow. So by by getting a design done now, you can really take advantage of uh, of getting in before the spring and then you can enjoy it instead of uh, having to work on it. Right. So where do I learn more (laughs) about the design and installation process? You can go to our website, pikenursery.com backslash services, and uh, we have all our information up there, including, you know, all about the design service, the pick and plant service, and any of our 15 Georgia store locations. Um, So, yeah, stop by our website and you can see what we have. Well, Brian, you've been fantastic. And, hey, thanks for the idea about the pumpkin, too, with the kids. I think that was great. But reach out to Brian and his team. You won't regret it. Like you said, kick back in the spring and you'll be ahead of your neighbors. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Ashley. Have a great day. We'll be right back with the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. It's 95.5 WSB. My thanks to Brian Albini and to Pike Nursery, too, for sponsoring the show and having faith in me here in my second year of hosting Green and Growing. Always a pleasure to have such a good partnership with them. And they've really helped make my year successful in the garden. And I hope yours, too. You can continue to reach out to me with garden questions, garden problems on the Facebook page. Visit Green and Growing WSB on Facebook. Like or follow the page and you can get in touch with me there. Patricia in Cartersville. Hey, Patricia, welcome to the show. Yes, I have a cut rows that I received and I put some root grow on it. I got to root in a cut. So is it okay to plant it outside now with you know the cold weather here? Should I put it in a pot and keep it in the house until spring? Yeah. So when did you start propagating it and all that? How long's that been? About three months ago. Okay, so is it pretty decently tall? Does it have some good leaves on it? Yeah, it's got two different sets of leaves that came out. Oh, nice. Okay, so I don't think it's quite sturdy enough yet to be able to weather the cold, and especially this weekend of all weekends. It's going to be crazy. Um, established right. plants we like putting out this time of year because the roots will you know, be able to kind of acclimate, not be stressed with the summer heat. But something like that, that's going to put some extra stress. So what I would <clears> recommend you do, keep it in a bright window, not direct sunlight necessarily, but a bright window. I know it's going to be kind of a pain to, to have in the house and be moving it around. But I would just continue to care for that, keep it watered lightly, and then plant it in the spring is going to be the best thing for you to do. 
Yeah, I have it in a cup right now just with water. Should I put it in a pot with some dirt or just keep it in that cup with water? I think it's not a problem to keep it in that cup with some water. When you start to see the roots develop on it, though, that's when you want to go ahead and put it in a pot with some soil. Buy a bag of Pike's Potting and Container Soil in a clean pot. Keep it in a sunny spot until spring when you're able to plant it outside. And since it's so fragile, too... Uh, staking it up with something may not hurt. Thank you so much for the call, Patricia. I like it. And what else to be doing in the landscape now? Green, green, and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. I've got some time before the end of the show to share this with you. Number one, not too late to plant pansies. And if you planted them months ago, be sure to be fertilizing them just once or twice. Slow-release fertilizer like Osmocote will work just fine. And deadhead them, too, by going to the tip of the stems of the faded flowers and pinch those off. Number two, once you get to taking Christmas decorations down, fill in the bare spots with house plants. Make sure to put them in pots or baskets with drainage holes. Make sure they get the light that they need. Even take a cutting of a friend's house plant, Christmas cactus, or whatever. And if you see, you can propagate it either in a small vase of water or in a small pot with what I mentioned to Patricia, Pike's potting and container soil. And number three, don't forget about the birds. My goodness, on Christmas Day, I so enjoyed them coming to my feeder. I have a really good, like, peanut blend that they loved. Put out the feeders. Thistle seed will attract goldfinches. Dried mealworms really brings the partners of bluebirds out. And keep your bird baths full. That's really important through the winter time as well, except the glass ones, which could crack if you have water in them when we get below freezing temperatures. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. My honor, my pleasure to start your uh, 2022 off right with some gardening advice. I'll be back next Saturday. And until then, have a safe and happy and healthy week. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.